in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories We've got quite a lineup today of harrowing and uh, surreal, almost feels like surreal instances to cover. Some real doozies, as I like to call them. Uh, Several of these, uh, they hit me, hit me hard. Hit you hard. Well, before we get started, let's have some, we'll begin with some, a little bit lighter Friday information. We're going on tour. Yeah. We're just talking about it. (laughs) What an We're, annoying sound for everyone to have just listened to. Someone just turned their Please podcast off. Please don't not come because of that. <laughs> Here's a guarantee. You'll have a good time and we won't make that sound. That's two things I can guarantee there in a live go. show. Uh, we're going on tour. We have, we're doing everything different. We got a whole new live show we've created. We're calling it the full moon energy tour. And we just realized today that our very first day, March 7th is scheduled for the worm moon, a full moon. The worm. And you know what? I didn't know until today. They're called worm moons. That's the one in March. It's There's many different names for it. Many different cultures celebrate it in many different ways. We're learning so much about the moon mm-hmm. and through that. But the worm moon's all about coming up out of the ground after everything's frozen. And we're very frozen in Dallas. Oh, yes, it's very today. cold and frozen over here. So. But it warms our hearts to already see people popping off on Patreon and everything and socials about how excited they are that we're coming to their city If you want tickets now to our first two cities, which are going to be Tacoma and Portland, Oregon, you got to go to Patreon. They're available right now for the getting into it and ruling the airwaves to your patrons. They could be sold out by the time they go on sale today at 4 p.m. Central to the general public. So if you're listening to this February 4th, you it's, the doors are open. The gates are open. It might be sold out by then. But nevertheless, if you're in Denver, Salt Lake, Austin, Los Angeles, San Francisco, those are not on sale yet. But if you want to be the first to know, join Patreon at the Ruling the Airwaves or Getting Into It tier. You get a whole host of stuff. But we send the links out specifically to y'all first because we totally appreciate the support. Anybody coming to the show will appreciate it. You will not hear any of these episodes in the main feed because we got a whole new show format and we're excited to debut it. It's only going to be live for you in person so you got to see it to believe it and the art for the t-shirt and the posters come on now on point i didn't make any of it it's beautiful we got some amazing designers to help us out so it's very witchy black and gold very Mm -hmm. art vibe right now so i'm excited about it so head to instagram at sinisterhood pod facebook at sinisterhood get all the details First dibs on tickets at Patreon. We're going to have so much fun on the road, and we can't wait to kick it off on a full moon for full moon energy. So excited. Very, very excited. So excited. Well, in the meantime, you have curated a list of, boy, six of uh, some of the most jaw-dropping stories that we've covered so far. Yes. And one of them is inspired by a story we covered last week. And I, I DM'd with that person on Instagram and was able to say, thank you for sharing your story. So if any of these spark a memory in you, you can now send your stories to us if you're listening. Please do. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Kara, and it is called, We Spent the Night in a Mormon Cult, Not Clickbait. Hi, Christy and Heather. I absolutely love the podcast and been a big fan for a few years now. Thanks for such a great show, and here is my Freaky Friday submission. This one's a bit long. A few years ago, I did a trip to the southwestern USA with my friend and sister from our home in Pennsylvania. We all wanted to see Zion National Park in Utah. The Airbnb we booked was about 45 minutes from the park and practically on the Utah-Arizona border. The reviews for the Airbnb were fantastic, and the place was huge and listed for a great price. The drive to the Airbnb from the park was through almost nothing but open space. No houses, no towns, just road. We arrived after dark and pulled into what looked like a small neighborhood, standing alone in the middle of nowhere. 
Most of the houses were massive and had solid nine-foot-plus tall fences and security cameras. Most of them seemed empty, with no lights on and no cars outside. A lot of them were in various stages of construction. What I noticed right away, besides how odd this random neighborhood was of gigantic, half-built, Fort Knox-like houses all together in the middle of nowhere, was that there were three letters painted on some of the roofs. The letters UEP were painted in big white block letters on the front of the houses on the gable under the roof. It looked like someone had just slapdash painted it on. I thought it was extremely odd that someone with the money to build these huge, nice, modern houses would almost ruin the look of them with crappy-looking, poorly painted letters. I thought maybe the letters stood for a bank or financing company that had tried to invest in building, but couldn't find enough buyers, so the building had stalled. That would have explained why so many of the houses were half-built and empty. We found our rental, and it was sort of like an in-law apartment underneath a larger house. Once we got inside, I googled UEP to try and figure out what the deal was with the houses around us, but got a lot of results that clearly weren't relevant, like United Egg Producers. I gave up the search and went to bed. The next morning, we left early, having only booked one night in that house. In the daylight, the neighborhood was even more odd. It looked like a normal neighborhood, with kids wearing backpacks being walked to a school down the road, but also with these looming, solid fences and cameras everywhere. I chalked it up to maybe people concerned with privacy who wanted to live in a remote town, but something just felt off. Every person we drove past on our way out stopped and stared intensely at our car as we went by. There was no one outside walking a dog or getting in their car for work. Eventually, we drove past a house where the fence gates were open, and I saw a little girl playing in the driveway. The girl was wearing a cornflower blue full-length prairie dress, sort of like what an Amish girl would wear. Hey, we are from Pennsylvania, after all. I pointed her out as we drove past, and a man supervising the girl stopped and stared strongly at us as we drove by. Wow, I guess she must be part of some really conservative Mormon church. I said. Something still felt off. I'm going to try googling those letters on the houses again, I said. This time, I searched the letters UEP along with the name of the town on the rental address, Hildale, Utah. The search results shocked me and sent a chill down my spine. The letters UEP stand for United Effort Plan, which, as I read, learned was a fund for the infamous Mormon polygamous cult, the FLDS. Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. This cult is the subject of the TV show Escaping Polygamy and the recent Netflix documentary Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. The leader, Warren Jeffs, is currently serving life in prison plus 20 years for multiple heinous crimes. Essentially, at the time of our trip, the cult allowed members to work, but all their salary went into the UEP fund instead of to the working members. The fund would then buy land and build houses to house members. The cult used this to control its members. Leaders would threaten them with bad housing or being removed from their family to keep them in line. We realized that we had stayed the night in the town that was owned almost entirely by the cult we had seen on TV so many times. It did look like there were some non-cult members living in the neighborhood, like the normally dressed people walking their kids to school. But the town Hildell is apparently known as the site of the FLDS. All the weird things we had noticed suddenly made sense. The cult uses its location close to the Arizona border to go back and forth between the two states. Maybe when we were there, most of the members were in the Arizona location. I have no idea how or why that house was listed on Airbnb, but it was super clean, comfortable, and honestly a really great stay. But to this day, I always get a chill down my spine, knowing just how close we had been to such a heinous cult. Keep it creepy, Kara from Philadelphia, PA. Well, that's a glowing review there at the end. Like, <laughs> hey, nice. It was clean. There is a cult around it. However, so... Would stay again, even given that, because the Airbnb was just fabulous. It's honestly... I mean, I'm I'm more of a hotel kind of gal, but uh, Airbnbs, if you get... If you hit it right, you can hit a good one. 
the Kara didn't say what year this was, but I did a quick Google search. Uh, uh, not United Egg Producers, although <laughs> wouldn't you wish it was that? And this is a fascinating case insofar as it was a technically a land trust, a, a charitable trust, the United Effort Plan. And then the government had to take control over it because Warren Jeffs, of course, went off to jail for being a heinous monster. And there's a little bit of uproar, it looks like, about what's going to happen. Why the, U- the state of Utah took over it for a while and then it had to go through the court system. And it looks like it started in 1942. Wow. Living. The polygamists were living in what was then called Short Creek. This is from the Salt Lake Tribune. And they, the landowners consecrated their homes and instead took everything that they owned and put it into this trust. And then the donors who donated all the land of the trust and their heirs became a beneficiary of the trust. The problem is, they said by the year 2000, it had grown to 700 homes on both sides of the state line. And basically you had to have public facilities like they had parks, a fire station and a zoo. And then even followers from outside of the country were consecrating theirs. So if you put that UEP on the home, they said that was kind of a made you look like you were part of something bigger. Like, Oh, we're so dedicated. We gave our home. They said the trust totaled $110 million in assets when Utah seized it in the year 2005. So currently no one lives there. Uh, it looks like they still do. Some people might still live there. This article is from 2019. It said a group of people, a group of young men who had been kicked out of living in this short creek sued the UEP because I guess they'd been kicked out. And because Warren Jeffs was the representative, did not he did not mount a legal defense. It says a default judgment could have meant that the plaintiffs, this small amount of men, would have won all of the assets in the trust. Oh. So the attorney general and the state of Utah stepped in. I think pretty much you keep five people who happen to find kind of a legal loophole from suing these this group and then taking $110 million of everybody's donated property and keeping it for themselves, basically, just because Warren Jeffs was like out of it. But they said that the UEP is it's slowly breaking down. I think with him being in jail, they're getting rid of it little by little. It says they're selling off property sold to outsiders. There's a fiduciary that had the, there was a fiduciary. It's been replaced by a board. They've hired an executive director. So it looked like the state, as far as recently as 2019, was dismantling it, kind of putting it in the hands of people just to make sure. I, I mean, if people donate their land and want to live in a commune, that's okay as long as they're not being abused. They were being abused here. Yeah, but this is a real, real, real bad cult, especially for children, be. female children, but also for teenage boys, for everybody. But I've seen countless documentaries about young men being kicked out because they become an age where they are threatening to the elders mm-hmm. and they don't want, you know, their women, and I use that in air quotes because they were property to you know have any competition so they're just abandoned they're just kicked out it's it's warren jeff's um if he died today i'd probably do a little jig oh yeah that's one of those ones that he didn't serve anybody any good uh mm-hmm. because he's still stuck dug into his beliefs what i was gonna say though is that it, they they donated their stuff so they shouldn't just be kicked off and have their shit lost you right. know if your great great grandpappy donated all of his family money and then just by virtue of these angry young men who were threatening or whatever you want to call it now the church is no longer being led by anybody and you all end up homeless you don't want to have mass homelessness a mass loss of property things like that so it sounds like the state of utah was for a while taking control of them and now it sounds like it's diminishing and i hope everybody finds a new place to live but shoot me that airbnb listing because i always need <laughs> what a, good place a to weird stay. thing if you live there to put on air no i mean you have to know what's up if you own a home there that's yeah. so r- bizarre they have weird airbnbs where you're like this one overlooks this weird thing or it happens to be in a redone airplane hangar mm-hmm. or redone airplane itself they need a list of like, you want to stay a night in a Mormon cult? <laughs> well, have I got the place for you? Yeah, well, Godspeed to the people that are stuck in that. I hope mm-hmm. they're getting out. And it is, I cannot watch any of that stuff because things about uh, stuff like that happening to kids gets me, gets me in the guts. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real bad one. It's a real, real bad one. And uh, we're glad, Kara, that 
y'all made it out of there and nothing nothing happened except for some weird looks. Some weird looks and some weird vibes. Well, thanks for sending that in. Well, this next one's from L, and it is called Let's Not Meet Naughty Audie's Mall Edition. Hi, ladies. I love this show and cannot thank you enough for your podcast. Now, let's get into it. This story takes place in the summer of 2002. I just turned 16, and not long after living a carefree life on summer break, my dad had the talk with me. No, not that one, thank God. He suggested I put my driver's license to good use and get a summer job. I'd never had a job before, but the idea of making my own money was exciting. I applied to all the hotspots, Applebee's, Target, TJ Maxx, but to no avail. I decided to go for my dream job, a sales associate at Forever 21. I applied and was thrilled when the manager called me a few days later to schedule an interview. On the day of the interview, I knew I had to make an impression. So I donned my coolest jean skirt, layered a few tank tops, and even wore a puka shell necklace and wedge flip-flops. I got to the mall early and decided to look around another clothing store to kill time before my interview. As I was flicking through clothes and rehearsing my inner monologue for why I'd be an amazing Forever 21 sales associate, I noticed someone loitering in my periphery. I looked up and found a guy smiling at me. He appeared to be in his 20s and reminded me of those guys who worked at the cell phone kiosks. You know the ones from back in that day. Pushy dudes in cheap dress shirts and ties hollering at people, especially girls, as they walked by. He was cute, but his vibe was intrusive and heavy. His questions were innocent at first. What I was shopping for, if I was in school, if I worked at the mall. Trying to be polite, I indulged him, but his questions became increasingly personal. How old are you? He asked. I told him I'd just turned 16. I will never forget the way he smiled at that. Sinister and lascivious. He then told me he was 26. Internal alarm bells wailed. I nervously scanned the store for an associate, but didn't see anyone. I was alone with this creepy guy. You're a cheerleader, aren't you? He asked, his eyes scanning my body in the outfit that I now felt exposed in. I nodded and asked, how'd you know? You've got the body, he replied, but his sleazy smile faded. Somehow that terrified me more. He inched closer. Why don't you give me your number? At this point, my intuition was screaming for me to get as far away from him as I could. My rational mind knew I needed to remain calm, though. I told him I was late for an interview and needed to go. I tried to skirt around him, but he blocked my path. I hurried past him and out into the mall. I hoped he'd leave me alone, but clearly he wasn't taking no for an answer. He bounded after me, and though I picked up my pace, he matched my speed and stayed alongside me. Where are you going? He shouted over the din of the mall. I ignored him, which only incensed him further. I didn't know what to do. My heart was racing and my body shaking as I tried to lose him in the crowd. I broke out in a light jog as fast as my flip-flops would allow, towards Forever 21. I didn't want him following me to my car and thought maybe I could tell the interviewing manager someone was following me. Before I made it to the store, he cut me off at the pass. Twenty years later, I can still remember his face. He was enraged, his skin flush and eyes absolutely feral. If you don't want attention, you shouldn't dress like a slut, he seethed. In tears, I darted into the Forever 21. Blessedly, he did not follow. I hid near a clothing rack and collected myself, trying to decide what to do next. From my vantage point, I couldn't see him, but couldn't be sure he wasn't lurking around the corner waiting for me. I ended up doing the interview. Needless to say, I bombed it. Afterwards, I left the mall like a bat out of hell and drove home with my eyes trained on the rearview mirror, certain this psychopath was following me. Thankfully, he hadn't followed me. I did not get the job, which was a relief. I had such a bad association with that mall. I couldn't imagine working there. It's since fallen prey to the Mid-America Abandoned Mall Syndrome. And honestly, good riddance. Thanks so much and keep it creepy. Unless you're a mall stalker. 
Well, may I first start off by saying I had this exact same outfit, this jean skirt. I had yep. black platform Skechers sandals that were like velour crisscross. And then the layer, I love to layer a long tank with lace on the bottom with like mm-hmm. a short baby tee over it. Mm-hmm. But this whole instance, you know, work in retail near the mall, having, and if anybody listens to this uh, and you've never had this happen to you and you think that's unbelievable, this is probably made up. Let me just say, oh, my God, it's not. Do you know how many times I've had this happen to me? The His skin was flush and his eyes absolutely feral. The, I had a visceral reaction to that because you know what's about to happen next is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And it is some sort of I've been rejected and now I'm going to lash out and insult you. Some kind of slut shaming. Look how you're dressed. You're asking for it. She's 16. Mm-hmm. You just have learned how to drive. You're going out for your first job. Someone who's 26 mm-hmm. is speaking to you like this. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Oh, I yeah. relate to this very much on all of counts. And I can put myself in platform flip-flops in that store just like crying. You're so embarrassed. You're also scared. You're also mad. You're also like, Shit, now I got to go do an interview when all of this has happened? Of course you're going to bomb it. In hindsight, probably for the best because you don't want a job working in the same mall where this guy works. But the audacity of this asshole to think he has any right to even approach this girl and ask her these things, but then to chase her down a crowded mall and scream in her face because she rejected your advances... Yeah. Work at that, die at that kiosk. Die at that <laughs> fucking cell phone kiosk in the middle of some shitty mall in your shitty shirt and your shitty tie, you incel. I hope all of the Nokia phones tumble down upon your head <laughs> and the singular wireless logo is burned into your cheek. I hope you get was... buried under a pile of shitty flip phones. That's right. And CDs from the 2002. Yeah. People like that. I know exactly the type too. The ones that are at the mall kiosk. Hey, come over here. Mm-hmm. Hey, just come over here. I just, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. Yeah. They're always the victim. You're the asshole. It's a bunch of gaslighting. Yeah. Well, Elle, I'm so glad you didn't get that job. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I promise you we're going to get a lot of emails that are like, oh, I remember when that same thing happened to me. And what's so interesting about Freaky Fridays is people all the time write and say, I didn't think I had a story until I heard Elle's story. Because I think we bury a lot of these things and we're like well that was just the 90s that's just how things were that was just the 2000s that doesn't mean it was okay Mm -mm. it was still bad back then we just didn't know or we weren't empowered enough to be able to stick up for ourselves because society was gross and different Yeah, we didn't have the framework to address it or even Mm -hmm. know what to call it. I would hope, well, first of all, let me say, when you said we're going to get, and then you said other messages, I thought you were like, we're going to get him. We're going to find out (laughs) where he was. I was like, fuck. (laughs) Christy's going, Scorster, tell us what mall it was. We'll fucking track him. We'll get employee records. We're going to find this bastard. No, I'm kidding. But I think you're right. We will get messages because back you know up until recent history and i think it's it goes on now as well but i have a hope that like we talked about in the kitty genevieve's episode this idea of being a good bystander where even if you see her running you don't have to turn to the kiosk guy and be like hey fuck you man you want to fight but you see her running and be like oh my god uh kaylee my cousin i'm mm-hmm. so glad to see you come stand with me kaylee sorry sir we're this is my cousin we're trying to catch up you know something like that where hopefully other people that you know when you hear this like i tell paris stories of stuff that happened to me that has happened to me in the past and he's always like people guys just do that like people did that and i'm like yeah and i hope now you feel empowered knowing the story any of our male listeners that are listening that if something like that is happening you don't have to stand up and be the white knight or whatever but just be like oh hey sis this is my little sister girl mom and dad have been looking for you where have you been at come over here and just Mm -hmm. kind of step in the way or something to see that or the forever 21 manager being like hey 
Um, I'm excited about this interview. We want to talk to you, but you look like you're having a tough time. What ha- mm-hmm. is, did anything happen? What's going on? Oh, it's just a guy chased me. You know, and hopefully now we wouldn't be like, well, that's not really our problem. We're trying to sell earrings. It would be like, which guy? Let's go mm-hmm. report it. So all of us can, You, we can't, I can't singularly change every other person, but hopefully we can all collectively together be like, if we see something, just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. safely step in. Well, that segues nicely into our next Submission, which is from Kayla, and it is called The Time I Got in a Car with Strangers. Hey, ladies, this story seems kind of long to me, so I'm just going to get right to it. Love you, mean it. So when I was about 15, I had a boyfriend who I've recently been realizing was a narcissistic gaslighter who was expecting me at his house that night. My mom didn't have a car, and I usually took buses everywhere I went. It was a Sunday, and I had waited too long, so the buses were no longer running. I knew if I didn't go, my boyfriend would be mad, and I was only 15. I now had to walk through the downtown of one of the crime capitals of Canada to get to his house. It was also the middle of winter. Obviously, my 15-year-old self didn't realize that if my boyfriend actually gave a damn, he wouldn't make me do this. I got myself dressed up warmly and started my hour-and-a-half-long trek. Surprisingly, I wasn't bothered much by the downtown area, where most of the unhoused people kept to themselves. Once I was out of downtown and nearing his area, I was walking down a main road and saw a man who was clearly under some sort of impairment, screaming and walking down the street. It was around, it was around 1 a.m., and though the street was well lit, I was terrified. I noticed a white car drive by slowly, and as I continued walking, the car did a U-turn and came back around. Pulling up beside me, the car had three young men in it. They asked me if I wanted a ride. I shook my head. I'm a millennial, so even though I was terrified and freezing, I hated to inconvenience people. But also, I was a 15-year-old girl by herself, and this car was full of unknown men. They asked me if I was sure, and I stared at the man getting closer to me. My options were to get in a car full of strangers or continue to walk by myself toward this crazy man. I decided to take my chances and get in the car. It wasn't a far drive from my boyfriend's house at this point, but the walk would have been around another 45 minutes. My heart was racing. I gave them the address of my boyfriend's house, and they asked me what I was doing out there by myself. I explained that I had forgotten it was Sunday and waited too long, so the buses weren't running anymore. They basically told me I was crazy and dropped me off without an incident. Thankfully, nothing happened. I know this story was pretty tame, but it could have been a lot worse. It's just a reminder that no one is worth putting yourself at risk over something so stupid. Oh, Kayla. I relate. This is a... um, I think this is a game-time decision for me. I just go with my gut on... Which do I feel like I have a better chance of getting out of this okay? The guy's in the car or the guy walking towards me? Because either way is not ideal. Yeah. Uh, so I think you pick the lesser of two evils, which it right? sounds like you did. So good job. Yeah, you're right. You got to feel them out when they're like, what are you doing out here? Do you need a ride? And you're like, do you give off mall kiosk guy vibes? Right. Or your friend's older brother who's like, what are you, what's going on? You yeah. need some help here? So, I, you know, you you got to make it into game time, like you said, at the last minute, because that's not something you can plan for. Like, oh, a stranger will come by and just drive me. Totally good point. The boyfriend sucked. Yeah. Sucked. Fuck him. Sucked. In my mind, this guy is also the mall kiosk guy. This happened oh, before mall kiosk guy. <laughs> And then we see his evolution of just continuing to be shitty. To be a huge douche. Well, yeah, I've been there, though, where I was in my teens and like, oh, I want him to like me. So all I have to do is he just said to come over. And even though I can't get there, I'll just figure out a way. Like you're walking an hour and some change in the snow. But I've been there and uh, I'm glad you've now realized that he's a piece of shit all these years later. And you're like. No, man, I'm worth being picked up. If you want me to come hang out, Mm -hmm. you can drive over here and get me or I'll see you when I see you. But I'm not walking in the snow. But man, when you're 15 and you got that, your love and attachment and you just, we don't know better. And when we do know better, we do better. And what we do now is if you want to see me, you'll find a way to see me. Mm -hmm. Good on those guys for (laughs) just being good guys. Being coming in clutch, being good mm-hmm. bros. Like like I said, hopefully they it was like we got a little sister at home. 
we wouldn't hurt it. You know, you wouldn't want her to walk home. So mm-hmm. I, I like to think it was like a Tommy and Paris situation this They're week, like, guys. Look at this girl. What is she doing? All Poor right. Thing. We'll give her a ride. We know who's walking down the street and that's not going to end well for her. Right. Well, this next one is from Brianna, and the subject line is, Turn on Channel 4. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for everything y'all do. My name is Brianna, and I've been debating writing this for a hot minute, but I wanted to share my brush with true crime. The timeline may be a little fuzzy because things always tend to blur together for me. I listen to y'all religiously, and you've seriously helped me get through some tough times. I really feel like I have friends that I carry around in my pocket. Heather, you in particular have always inspired me. My biggest dream has been to go to law school. I actually achieved that in 2021. Unfortunately, everything went tits up and I failed hard. I never know when to quit, so I keep punishing myself by trying to get back in. I'm just a glutton for punishment. I don't know why, but in the absolute pit I was in after getting dismissed from the program, y'all brought a smile on my face every week. If it's odd to express gratitude to people who have never met you, I can't help but be the odd duck I am. So, back to it. End of unnecessary details. I've lived in DFW and have been bartending for over 10 years. Seriously, I would love to make y'all some drinks. This is important to the story somewhat. I changed some names to be respectful. I worked at a pretty big chain for ages. During the time I worked there, I knew a young man that everyone called Opie. He always seemed too young to be hanging out with service industry types. If you weren't aware, we go hard. He just seemed too young, too innocent to be hanging out with all of us. Eventually, Opie went on to work somewhere else and life kept moving. One day in 2014, as I was sleeping in to recover from a double, my phone rings. It was my coworker, Chuck. The first words out of his mouth were, Have you turned on Channel 4? Obviously, I was like, no, bitch, my feet hurt, and I only have one more hour until I pick up my kiddo from school. He frantically told me to turn on the TV. When I did, the first thing that popped up was a mugshot. It was Opie. Someone had walked into a shoe store in Arlington, taken the cashier to the back, and shot him. I just sat there with my mouth open, not able to believe it. When I could finally formulate a thought, I asked Chuck, when was the last time you saw him? Chuck told me that he had seen him that week. Opie had come up to where we had worked and sat at the bar for about four hours. He only ordered a couple of drinks and tried to sell some cocaine. Chuck was obviously put off because not only was it so different from the kid we knew before, but he also realized that he had come up the day after killing someone. I proceeded to freak out because I had been on the fence about covering his shift that day. I knew if I had seen Opie, I would have absolutely invited him over to dinner to catch up with me and my ex-boyfriend. I've never found out what led him down that path. It genuinely broke my heart, and I'm sure it was awful for his family. I remember the toll it took on my ex-boyfriend, and he seemed to feel like he had failed as a friend. The whole experience didn't leave me necessarily jaded, but it has made me much more careful about who I bring into my personal space. Opie is currently serving a life sentence with no chance of parole, last I heard. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this. I found a small article with a few details in case you all were curious as well. Keep it creepy. Well, you know, you know somebody, you hang out with them, and you think, oh, you know, he's part of the crew. We're the crazy ones, but he's like our little brother of the crew. And then they take a turn. Yeah. And, you know, then you play the what if game. What if I had covered that shift? And then what if, you know, some things had gone bad and we were the ones with him? That's a rough path to go down. It's... um. I think it's normal for us to do that, but just don't stay there. That's what my therapist always says. It's okay to like sit in that space for a minute, but when you like stay there is when it gets dangerous mentally. For sure. And saying, oh, I should have been a better friend or Mm -hmm. I should have done this. I could have done that. You know, you were the friend that you could be at the time and Mm -hmm. just knows going forward that asking people, reaching out, saying, okay, well, you never know what somebody's going through than being... Not that it would have helped in this situation, or maybe it would have, but you can't go back in time, so you can only... You can't change what anybody's yeah. set out to do. That, too, as well. Well, thank you so much for sending that in, Brianna. Well, this next one we have is from Laura, and the subject line is, The Time My Daughter Was Almost Kidnapped. 
Hello, ladies. This is a long one, so let's get into it. My husband works for a local grocery store, so naturally he does most of our grocery shopping since he's there five days out of the week. However, sometimes I like to take our son and daughter to his store for a surprise visit and some shopping. When we're done shopping, I always text my husband to let him know we're checking out. He then meets us at the register to help us take the groceries out to the car and say bye-bye to the kids and I. It's so cute, right? He's the best. Now, this happened in 2021 when my daughter was two and my son was about four months, so I was one tired mama. This particular visit was just like any other, except halfway through, my son became very fussy. I was still getting used to juggling two kids out in public at this time, so it's safe to say I was a bit flustered and I was not on high alert. When I was finally done shopping, I texted my husband and headed straight to the self-checkout. Unbeknownst to me, though, I didn't hit send, so my husband never got my text. I started scanning my groceries while trying to soothe my infant son and keep my daughter entertained in the cart at the same time. For context, I was carrying my son in a baby carrier. After a minute, a man behind me in line asked if he could help me out scanning my groceries. I politely told him no and continued on. Another minute goes by, and the man asked again, Are you sure you don't need help? I said, Thank you, but I'll be fine. He then said something like, you just look like you have your hands full, and I thought I could, and then walked off. I realized he was only holding one or two items and that there were other self-checkouts open. He didn't have to wait at my register. I just thought, odd, and kept going. I finally got myself checked out and was putting my bags in the cart when this guy comes back. He said, I just can't let you do this by yourself. You've got your hands full. Let me help you get your groceries to your car at least. At this point, I'm on my last fuse. My son is crying. My daughter is scream singing the ABCs. And there's no sign of my husband. So I said, okay, that's fine. And I wish I never said that. I started to push the cart towards the door when this asshole pushes me to the side and takes the cart from me with my daughter still in the cart and bolts for the door. My daughter instantly started screaming at the top of her lungs. It startled the guy enough that he slowed down. I was able to catch up with him and grab the cart back. At the same time, I saw my husband coming out of the store's stockroom, completely oblivious that this asshole was trying to kidnap our daughter. I yelled, my husband is over there, and took the cart and ran towards my husband. He was surprised to see me running at him with both kids screaming. When I got to him, he took our daughter out of the cart to calm her down and asked, what's going on? I was about to yell, where were you? When I noticed the guy at the opposite side of the department watching us, I told my husband, let's go to the car now. As we went out, the guy followed us at a distance, but didn't come out of the store with us, and I lost track of him. It makes me sick to think what could have happened if that man had gotten away with my daughter. I beat myself up for a while after for letting it happen, but I keep reminding myself that she's still here with us, safe, and that's all that matters. She's now four and is a goofy, sassy, and independent little girl. She has a big voice, and I know she's going to grow up and do great things. I just can't imagine a world without her, and I'm so thankful for her every day. This is one of my worst fears. That is so bold to just elbow the lady and start taking off. Yeah, it sounds like from the beginning he he had ill intentions. If you're in a self-checkout and there's other ones empty. Just get the fuck out of the way. Why would you need to be waiting? Just go to another one. And also, if a woman says, no, I don't need help, then fucking leave her alone. That's you don't it. have to. Don't act like you're some kind of savior. If she needed help, she'd ask for it. She doesn't know you. Get out of the way. Yeah. And it's one thing if you say, hey, I got two kids at home. I know it must be hard. Do you need any help? Like you hold the kids. I'll scan the groceries. And if she says, yeah, OK. But if she's like, oh, I'm all set. Don't come back three times and push and push and push because then you do look like a kidnapper. This case turns out he was, in fact, a to kidnapper. Say, I just can't let you do that. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. You're you, not you're authority. Not, you don't have any uh, <laughs> control over this. You don't get any ownership over this situation. Yeah, it gets my goat. I, I'm a helper. I love to help people out. I'll, I'll dive in for whatever. But when it's forced assistance 
to me, that's not mm. altruistic. No. You're doing it because you'll feel bad if you don't do something, and now you're forcing your help on someone. I recently saw an incident where a person had stumbled, another person was trying to help them, and the helper was just insistent. And I could tell the person that fell was like feeling stress. And mm -hmm. I kind of tried to get the helper away. And I just told the person that fell, I'm available. I'm three feet away. Let me know if you need any help. I'm not going to force this on you. And the, per the, the person that fell said, thank you so much. Actually, I'll, I'll got it. No worries. But it was stressful to me to watch this interaction where someone's like, take my help. You have to take my help. Take my help. And then as the person that they're trying to offer the help, you're you've fallen you're embarrassed you're like can we not draw any more attention to this i would like to just pretend like no one saw this and then get up on my own and now you're causing a big ass scene so you can be some kind of hero it was bizarre to me the, the and i get it i don't ascribe any ill intent to the helper consciously but to me watching that you're absolutely right it's like making such a bigger spectacle out of it that the person that would maybe otherwise be willing to accept help is like, well, I don't need you to announce it of like, mm -hmm. they're fine, everybody. I'm going to help out. And it's yeah. like, okay, Dwight Schrute, like, come on now. Like, read the room, buddy. Read the room is it. Yeah. So that's why I was like, if you need help, I'm available. But if not, I will fuck off. I just got to say to Laura, I get it that you want, I would have beaten myself up for a long time after this too. I think you're doing the right thing. So you just got to remind yourself she's here. She's safe. And we've all been tired moms or not just tired parents, tired people at the store. And you're not thinking clearly. There was a time when Ella was first born that like I was scared to go to any store by myself because it is a whole new world you're trying to navigate of like having a small child that you're also trying to care for while grocery shopping, it's very stressful. So you got a four-month-old, you got a two-year-old, everybody's screaming, you're at your wit's end, don't blame yourself. This guy was clearly uh, a shithead. I'm so glad it all worked out how it should have. Yeah, you're right. Don't blame yourself because he was just wearing her down, wearing her. Come on, come on, come Which on, Which is on. what they do. Mm -hmm. He sees that she's in distress and use that to play to her vulnerabilities and emotions like i'll be doing you a favor like clearly you don't have this under control so then you feel as a mom like oh you're right i am kind of failing right now i guess i should accept some help no no, no. don't you don't gotta accept shit you don't want to yeah, not from that guy. And I'm sure grocery stores have. If you were like, pardon me, I need assistance to get to my car. Could you have an employee help me take my groceries to the car while I carry the kid? Not to mention her husband worked there. But like if, if she did need help, mm -hmm. she could just ask a person in a name tag who at least at the very least you assume probably wouldn't snatch your kid because they work at the grocery store. Not some random guy. Yeah. This is the mall kiosk guy grown up. This is his whole oh, life. Oh, yep. We've Damn. seen him. He's he's evolved. Well, this final one is from Candace, and the subject line is, My intuition and timing saved me from a mass shooting. Hello, ladies. Last week, I was listening to Freaky Friday when I heard Kate's story about a shooting in Target, and it triggered a memory of mine. Back in 2007, I was working at a department store in Omaha, Nebraska, called Von Mar. I was in my 20s, working at the children's shoe department part-time, as well as being a student. I remember on my break reading a newspaper article about the Virginia Tech mass shooting. I often wondered, what if it happened here, and what would I do? I then shrugged it off, thinking it won't happen here, and tried not to think about it, as we often do. Months later, I was getting this gut feeling that I needed to quit immediately, no matter what. I couldn't shake the feeling. I was making decent money at the time, but I also needed insurance, and Von Mar denied me to work full-time. I also chalked up the feeling was due to Christmas coming up and how terrible people are to you as a retail employee during this time. I quickly got hired as a CNA around Thanksgiving. My boss was not happy due to the limited staff they had. I was at the time working in the kids' shoes, but I would also float to the children's section if they needed extra help. I was supposed to be scheduled 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. on December 5th, but would start my new job before then. That detail will be explained later. A week goes by and I started my new job. I was asked by my friend Heather to meet up with her for lunch at Westroads Mall. She worked in the boys' department, where Von Mar is located. I agreed and planned to head there after my shift. 
Well, for some reason, the next CNA was late to arrive. I couldn't leave until the next person came in and reported for the day. I was frustrated and angry, but began to head to the mall. As I was driving to the mall, I got a call from a friend asking if I was okay and alive. I asked, what do you mean? They stated, there's been a mass shooting at Von Mar. My heart stopped. I was worried about my friend Heather, as well as all my old co-workers. A few hours later, I found out Heather was okay, but didn't know who else was. A lot of people left their purses and phones in their locker and were escorted out by police. The next day, I went to work and saw on the news the names of six of my co-workers that died and two that were customers. A 19-year-old went into Von Mar. He went up to the third floor, shooting, before turning the gun on himself. He first killed two women in the children's department before shooting down the atrium, killing two others. He wounded a few more before going to the customer service desk and killing three others. It's very surreal to see people you worked with every day for two years get shot and killed just for going into work. Hard to think that you plan to go Christmas shopping and end up dead. I went to five funerals in one week. My friend Heather suffered major PTSD. At the time of the shooting, she was going to go one way, but decided against it and ran into a fitting room with the customer, which saved her life. If she had gone the other way, she would have been shot. The struggles I've watched my friend deal with, my coworkers, and even myself, are never shown on the news, or how it affects your life from here on out. I was relieved I wasn't there, but I've had a long time of tremendous guilt. I was scheduled that day and was supposed to be in the children's section. Since I quit, others were there working in my place and gunned down. I would have also been on the third floor if the CNA had been on time. I don't know why I had that gut feeling. I've questioned why I was safe from being there not once, but twice, and they weren't. I've definitely learned time after time, trust my intuition. There is nothing I could have done. I know in America we talk about gun laws, but we still shy away from mental illness. This kid told people what he planned to do, and people did nothing. If you see something, say something. With these shootings, we always hear about the shooter, but never the victims. Gary Scharf, Beverly Flynn, Angie Schuster, Diane Trent, John McDonald, Gary Joy, Janet Jorgensen, and Maggie Webb lost their lives that day, and many other lives changed because of the decisions of this one kid. I don't have the answers as to what can stop this from happening, but instead of the media making these people famous and then moving on to the next story, show the family and friends that now have to cope with the loss of a loved one and then have to try and move on with their lives after one kid took away so much. Well... Candace, thank you so much for sending that in. It's a tragedy that, like you said, we all kind of worry about and just think, surely it won't happen. Um, but as we see many, many times every month, it seems, uh, it certainly it certainly does happen. I don't remember this happening, but I was just looking it up and... It looks like the shooter's mother gave the sheriff's department his suicide note an hour before the mass shooting took place. And they did not. And uh, it, I guess either it wasn't taken seriously or they weren't able to stop it in, in time. But um, part of that note read, I just want to take a few pieces of shit with me. Just think, though, I'm going to be fucking famous. And I think a lot of we've heard a lot of mass shooters say that, like, they just want to be famous. They want to leave a legacy. Their idols are the Columbine shooters or, um, you know, other people that have done heinous things like this. And like Candace said, we talk a lot about gun laws. We don't talk nearly as much about mental health laws or um, services that should be available to everybody. And that is where, in my opinion, our focus should be. I also am very much in favor of stricter gun laws. And I think stories like this are a very good example of why we should have them. 
Yeah, I think you're right, especially uh, Candace is right as well, especially when we see these shootings and often it is the no, no longer. I'm happy to say recently we were looking up stuff for the Matrix defense and in many articles they did not mention the, the mass killer's name. They mm-hmm. just said a man, 33 year old man, whatever. And I think and that is a conscious attempt on the media's part to mm-hmm. de famous eyes these people but in 2007 it was always what is i remember the virginia tech shooting it was like well we're all gonna read his manifesto and whatever and the flip side is yeah you don't hear as much back then hopefully we're trending towards it of saying the names of the victims reminding people like they did nothing wrong i mean they went showed mm-hmm. up to work they went to go gr- christmas shopping shopping yeah nothing big but i do think it's a i'm crying right now and i think it's a an important thing though because it hurts right when we hear about stuff we hear about a horrible violence and i'm not talking about gawking at something and saying i want the gory details of this but knowing like the human toll that she had to go to five funerals yeah in one week and yeah. like the phrase is in my my zen practice is like bearing witness to that like bearing witness to harm when someone is like hurting not going god that really bumps me out i'm going to change the channel and it's gonna and you can only do it to the amount that you can't you have the capacity to do it right like you know i'm not saying like depress yourself completely but when we see these things on tv not going oh, god damn another one change the channel you know it's understanding like every single individual instance and it feels overwhelming because i think we mm-hmm. say well we need better mental health and we need gun loss which 100 percent is true but we think, well, I can't do anything because it's only me. That's so overwhelming. But I was thinking about this this morning and I was like, a single leaf on a single tree doesn't cast all the shadow you need for a yard. All the, the leaves working together does. Mm-hmm. Or if all the leaves bail and there's one leaf left, you might still be doing something. Else. Like we all have the small capacity in us to be an arm for good. Like we said in the matrix, if there's more helpers, then we'll be better. So it's, this type of stuff of like, well, fuck, it's too big. I can't solve it. It's like, well, if we all think that, yeah, we we won't. Mm-hmm. But if it is like, okay, well, what can I do in my neighborhood that at least will work towards good? That's the only thing I can think on a, not even an optimistic, but a, so it, we don't just feel crushed, repeatedly crushed by violence and just going, well, this is just the society we live in to say, no, I don't want to live like that. And I'm pretty sure none of us do. Like none of us want to be afraid to go buy our kids Christmas presents. So then Whatever small little act I can do in my capacity, the little ant with the breadcrumb, it's not the whole thing, but you're at least doing, we're an arm and you can throw in a hand to help. That's the only thing I could take away. But that human, bearing witness to that human suffering that these real people lost their lives and not just the people that lost their lives, the people that survived it, that can't go to a mall for five years because they're mm-hmm. they're too traumatized, that it has farther reaching impacts than just the simple of well it was over well that was it there was a shooting they're all fine the next day no 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 she makes a really good point that many of the times the media coverage of the shooting stops after the shooting and doesn't follow up with all of the victims families that forever for the rest of their lives have to deal with this loss or people that worked there and have survivor's guilt just like candace so Doing what Candace did, you know, saying their names, um, and it is overwhelming. And maybe we as individuals, just one of us, aren't going to get a law passed. But if it means just like volunteering at a grief center or just being there for for others in your in your daily life in a more kind way, like all of those little things are still things that that we can do that in their own way make a difference. Some might be bigger than others or at least perceived as bigger, but everything works together. For sure. And I always think, well, I can't solve this big problem by myself. And I can't even solve every problem. I just have the capacity. You know, we we tend toward the criminal justice system, right? Like we have that past experience with it. You have your, we have different backgrounds. We have our interests. So maybe where we can help is in one way versus somebody who is a mental health practitioner or just interested in volunteering at a domestic violence, but whatever. I think it's like, we think, oh, well, I have to do all the things. It's okay if you just have your thing that you do. Somebody, and we're just making sure we're all working together and supporting each other. You're right. That's my 
my hippie message of the day. Uh, <laughs> happy Friday. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Like that's. I hope this leaves you because this is a very, very important story. And I was able to text Kate or DM Kate back when she said, you know, hey, my short story was on Freaky Friday. I said, just so you know, somebody this week was inspired to tell their story by you telling your story. Mm-hmm. And that's one candle lights another candle lights another candle. So that's all I, you know, hopefully your candle is lit here in this and it was uh we can take from this like what can we do and we can at least be kind on a day-to-day basis and at the very least you know that you are not alone in the Mm -hmm. feelings you have and the grief that you still are grappling with and there's power in sharing your stories and knowing that you can connect with people out there that are going through the same stuff that you are agreed i appreciate everybody who always sends us their stories whether it is about something this serious and dire, I take it very seriously when we tell your story or about a ghost you want to fuck. We want to hear that too. But I think <laughs> I think it's a really beautiful thing that you share it with us so that we can share it with other people. I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you. Absolutely. I do as well. Thank you to everyone that sent in their Freaky Friday stories today. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. There's a whole slew of perks that come with it, but the most pertinent one for you now is if you live in any of the cities we're fixing to come to, you might want to sign up at the Rolling the Airwaves or Getting Into It tier, so you'll be the first to know. We literally send the links out to just our Patreons, first dibs, before anybody else, you'll know when tickets are available. But in addition to first dibs on tickets, so you don't get iced out of our VIP experience, which is all new on this tour, we're doing an intimate post-show Q&A for 45 minutes. We're going to take a group photo, and then you get to take home a poster that we will have signed in advance. The posters will be for sale, but don't buy one. If you're VIP, you get it free with the VIP experience. So if you want to be a part of that, Patreon usually sells those out. Head to the Patreon, join Rolling the Airwaves and getting into it. In addition to that, ad-free episodes, Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group. For those in the Rolling the Airwaves and getting into it tier, special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. And our patrons in the getting into it tier are able to vote on a bonus content segment each month, and they get to watch us live stream it. We just did rural internet posts and had... Quite a hoot if you want to check out the replay. The slideshow Heather put together of just some real bangers from what (laughs) Mesquite's got going on on multiple Facebook groups was a hoot and a holler. Very enjoyable. It's available right now on replay and also the audio. If you can't watch it but you want to listen, we gave you the uh, the audio-only version too. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. Another thing we have going on on Patreon is our docuary. Christy has curated a list of four amazing documentaries. We have week one is going to be the Pez Outlaw. If you're listening to this Friday morning, February 3rd, you can catch us 2 p.m. Central Time talking about the Pez Outlaw. If you missed it, you can watch the replay. Then get ready for next week. We're doing Senior. Robert Downey Jr. made a film about his old man. Stoked to see that. It is a tearjerker from multiple people. I love him. We also have Descendant, which is about folks in Alabama who are descendants of the final slave ship to come to the United States. The fourth one is called Fire of Love, which is about two volcanologists and their journey in studying volcanoes. So for all of those, you get a list of all the documentaries as well as the Crowdcast links to join every Friday in February at 2 p.m. Central. We're going to be covering one of these uh, best 2022 documentaries that Christy curated for us. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, Go to Patreon. All the information is there. If you are in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tiers with all the links of where you can find them, as well as the Crowdcast events so you can register for them and uh, chat with us. Can't wait. 
For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. We'll have our new tour shirt available soon. And let me just tell y'all, the art ah, is sexy. I would wear this even if it wasn't my own show. Yeah, I just like the design. Then I was like, I really like this design. Is it dorky to wear the shirt of the show I'm on? Because I just like the print of it. I do it it in my own house. I will say, I don't go out of the house where I'm wearing my Sinisterhood stuff. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a hat. I'm going to wear that. We're going to get some Sinisterhood Crocs. (laughs) Well, the best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. 